Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Well, hello. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hey. What's up? Hey. Well, we've got a new shirt. <laughs> wow. That's not even, not even like, hello. It's you. It's, it's Jenny. Just like, hi. Kristen. Kristen, we've had, we've had four episodes in 15 days. I feel <laughs> like I've true. recorded an intro to an episode like every waking hour of my life. <laughs> okay. We have I a don't have shirt. time right. for small talk. We you're don't right, need to catch right. up. I talk to you every day. <laughs> Okay, but we have a new shirt. Tell them all about it. Okay, Devin Power designed it. He's amazing. Uh, it's a new variation on the Just Keep Fighting theme. There is a girl. She looks tough. She's got a stake in her hand, and she wants you to just keep fighting. Yeah, you might say there's only one of her in the world, as a matter of fact. That's right. You might. It's really beautiful. I cannot wait to get mine in the mail. Um, we yeah. get ours for we get ours for free. We're pretty lucky, like yeah. That. We know a guy, so <laughs> it's not a big deal. If you want a shirt, you can either start a podcast and make one, or you yep. can go yep. to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on shop. While you are over there clicking on shop, perhaps you also want to click on events uh, because we have an upcoming event in San Francisco, December 6th. It seems far away, but it's not. Tis almost the season, as someone Tis. might say. Uh, we are doing a live taping of Fool for Love at the Brava Theater. There's a, a few tickets left. You could go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash Jenny Calendar if you want to be real creative. Or you can just click on events and all the ticketing information is there for you. Yes. 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 Speaking of Jennies and phone numbers, did you know that <laughs> my name is Jenny and then there's a famous song about a Jenny's phone number and then also Eight, we have six, a phone number now? Yeah, that's not, that's not our phone numbers. Don't call that one. Call 216-30-BUFFY and you can leave us a voicemail if you want. Hell freaking yeah. It's pretty fun. We've been really enjoying the ones that have been coming through. Your thoughts, your questions, your comments. We'll be making a mailbag episode for our patrons and sometimes we will even put your message right here in the episode. Uh, we also have a pretty big announcement coming your way on the date and location for this year's Buffy Prom. The third annual prom is happening and we'll have all of the information you could ever want in two weeks, unless... You're one of our patrons, and then, hey, you already have that information. Yeah, and if anybody has any um, ideas or suggestions about what color suit I should get this year, you can go ahead and use that phone number we already mentioned and <laughs> just leave us a voicemail. Thank you. Wow. Uh, speaking of me in a suit, it's time for Sexual Tension Winners yeah. from episode 502, Real Me. I'm floored by this spread. I'm just going to say it. I don't know who our <laughs> oh listeners even are anymore, but please tell yeah, them Yeah, this the is confusing. This is okay. fucked up results. In, in an epic overturning of expectations that nobody saw coming, <laughs> trailing way the hell behind in fourth place with 9% of the vote, we have Riley and Joyce. What the hell? Who deserved... Better. I mean, Riley and Joyce? Nobody likes a cougar? Come on. I mean, then, even more confoundingly, 
with 16% of the vote. It's Willow and Buffy's work ethic. We thought we knew you. I'm confused all the way down. Keep going, Johnny. Then in second place, relatable, Spike and Harmony have 35% of the vote. And then you enigmas, you mysterious, (laughs) unknowable mysteries, you phantoms in the mist gave... (laughs) Giles and his new car, 40% of the vote, allowing them to sweep first place. Un-fucking-believable. I mean, I listen, don't know what to think. I'm, I don't know anything anymore. I know. I mean, I'm here for Giles and his new car, but I really just really felt like Spike and Harmony were going to... Whatever. Listen, this is what democracy if, yeah. is all about. And yeah. you have voted. And sometimes you get unexpected results. You we. do. So, wow. Jenny. Wow, indeed. Uh, <laughs> The only thing spookier than the results of uh, last episode's Sexual Tension Awards is, um, you know, spooky news. Okay, this spooky news entry, by the way, if you have spooky news for me, you can email it to us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. I have... A whole folder full of spooky news. I, I Sometimes I wonder why I've done this to myself. Um, but you can send me your spooky <laughs> news stories there. This week, Jenny, the headline, the first of all, the website I'm reading off of is mysteriousuniverse.org. Um, nice. They're dot .org. I love it. Dot .org. Yeah. They're not fucking around. They are reporting on a story, that the headline of which is, Terrified Woman Was Sucked Into the Grave of Her Parents. What? (laughs) Okay, so listen, this woman, her name is Joanne. She lives in North Belmore on New York's Long Island. She went to the cemetery in, this is 2016. The reason it's a news article now is because she's suing the cemetery. Uh, She went to the cemetery to visit the graves of her parents. Uh, They were buried in 95 and 1992. She bent down to fix a wreath on the grave and was sucked rapidly into the ground. She smashed her head on the tombstone of one of her parents. There was no one else at the fucking graveyard to save her. But she managed to reach out Uh. and grab the headstone so that she didn't get sucked underground. So she's suing the cemetery for, you know... Terror? That, yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucked up. So the the thing that takes this from spooky news to spooky news is that she got sucked into the thing. It was really scary. But then, like, add to the, is it just the fact that the grave was, because, you know, they're suing because the grave was, like, not done properly. So the ground was shifting. Sure, sure, sure. We've seen enough Buffy to know better. This mm-hmm. cemetery, it opened in 1953. The final resting place for a number of people, including the family that was murdered by Ronald DeFeo Jr. If that name rings a bell, it's because that family uh, murder happened at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, which is ah. the inspiration ah. for the Amityville horror. That's a fucking ah. Halloween anticipatory spooky fucking news for you. Well, backing slowly away from that news item, I just have one thing left to say, and that's that I, your friend, Jenny, have a a song coming out on Friday. That's like two days from today. 
Uh, and it's called Gravitron, and it'll be streaming everywhere as of Friday. And furthermore, yes, uh, the the pre-order for the EP that it's on is uh, still running for a little bit. The EP comes out in November, but uh, you could still hop in on that at my website, JennyOwenYoungs.com, if you would like a physical uh, manifestation of that song and other songs. Hell yeah. Is the song about how one person got on the Gravitron and then another person got on the Gravitron, but then one person threw up on the Gravitron and because it's a Gravitron, the puke stuck to the wall and the per- other person? Um, no. <laughs> cool. Let's get into the episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a <laughs> podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And this is not Once More with Feeling, but I really expect an elevated song for the intro sure. for that one. Sure. I'm just workshopping some stuff now. <laughs> Start early. <laughs> Uh, this is the first feeling. Then we'll do it once more with feeling. Uh-huh, with um, additional feeling. I am Kristen Russo. I feel like you expect me to sing now, and I would like no, 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 no. to, you know, dash your expectations, though I'm sure I won't go the whole episode without singing. And this <laughs> week, we are talking about season five, episode three, The Replacement. You should stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by the beautiful songstress Jenny Own Young. So you just heard uh, up top recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. And if you have not yet started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, hosted by Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach, you should probably you fools. do that. Do it, please. Meanwhile, The Replacement was written by Jane S. Benson and directed by James A. Contner. And originally aired on October 10th in the year 2000. This is the one when a demon creates a Xander double. The real Xander must convince his friends of his true identity. Bum, bum, bum. Two Xanders, double mint Xander, Xander doing stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Someone who has some time, please take the double mint commercial and just pop on Xander heads to the twins for us. That would be nice. Please? That would be very nice. Thank you. Any of the twins will do. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, obviously we need to talk about the very fun fact of this episode, which is that Nicholas Brendan has a twin. And that twin is in this episode. His name is Kelly Donovan. And it really made the episode, I'm sure, a lot cheaper to make. (laughs) Yeah, right. And probably it helped it look a lot better. Like, imagine with uh, the CGI capabilities they were working with at this time Mm -hmm. on the budget for this show. Would have been pretty rough. I have a feeling this episode would not have come into existence without if, uh, Nick Brendan didn't happen to have a twin. I actually read up on this uh, this episode and I found out that there's another episode in the future where Nicholas Brendan, I guess, got unexpectedly ill and they used Kelly Donovan for some of the scenes. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we get there in 400 years or whatever. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So very convenient to have a twin, I guess. Uh, yeah, though, though I 
I am. I'm just in the middle of reading Tegan and Sarah's new book uh, <laughs> called High School, where they talk about their twindom and many other things. So I am getting to see that there are great things about having a twin and also very, very frustrating things about having a twin. So if you're out there listening, I'm not trying to erase your twin struggles. I think if I had a twin, I would be constantly stressed out about which one of us was the evil one. <laughs> I picture you, if you had a twin, being uh, the kind of person who would just play pranks with your twin all the time. Like that, like it would just tickle you oh, to no sure, end. Oh, you know? sure, 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 sure. That you would, you know, I don't know what the be prank... Ta- we'd be taking each other's math tests. Exactly, and... exactly. You'd like have your twin play a show and then like pop out from behind the drum kit, you know, just like... Uh-huh, <laughs> yes. Anyhow, somebody anyhow cat. Apparently, the Harrises have a cat, and the cat has peed on the hot plate. This doesn't sound like cat behavior. It sounds like a really weird place for a cat to pee. I don't know. You get the right cat or the wrong cat <laughs> in the wrong set of circumstances. Who knows where they'll pee? That's true. That's Although true. a hot plate is like a hard, non-porous surface, and they seem to like to pee on stuff that's that soaks it up exactly that's what i'm saying so okay i don't think we ever see that the harris cat um but but it's definitely making xander's living situation less pleasant as are his warring alcoholic parents yeah fighting upstairs so this is like i mean we've been talking we've been like alluding to xander's home life since season one really right because being spoiler free we can't say like well we know this about xander's home life but this is the episode where we get the closest look we've gotten so far Mm -hmm. into the fact that this isn't just like parents who are a bit absent parents who yell a bit this is like his parents are having like a knockdown drunken brawl upstairs uh which is really you know it's it's they don't really play it for humor they they, it's buffy so they go a little bit with like the dust falling from the ceiling but for the most part this is not played for humor at all it's really here to let us know that xander has um a lot of stuff happening in his home that's really uncomfortable and not only do we see like the uncomfortability of xander um, you know, with the parents happening, but we see the uncomfortability of like all of his friends. We see Riley feeling shifty and like not knowing how to handle it. Anya's face is just looking like really sad and like uncomfortable on behalf of Xander. So there's just a lot happening here. Yeah. There's also some back rubs happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, to varying degrees of success. I guess if your girlfriend recently dislocated her shoulder, probably don't, probably don't rub that right but sanders just trying to figure out how to be the guy he wants to be which is i i love i do love the aspect of like xander like looking at riley and being like oh look what riley's doing right i should do that well and it's Uh kind of nice actually i didn't realize this until you just said that but the it is a nice bookend for the episode because it's sort of like we start with xander being like oh i just need to like be more like riley and we'll get here but we end with the episode or we end the episode with riley being like I'm glad, like, I understand what you mean and, like, all this stuff, but also my girlfriend doesn't love me. Um, ah! Yeah. Didn't think we'd get there within the first few minutes of the podcast, did you? But it it is, I think there's an interesting dynamic set up between Xander and Riley, especially in the direction of Xander to Riley uh, mm-hmm. in this episode, too. That's subtle, but there. Yeah. And also we have Buffy being very critical of a kung fu movie. Yes, I love this. Uh, just like, ugh, leave your work 
at work. This reminded me of you, Jenny, actually. It reminded me. How dare you? (laughs) Well, just because like, I remember um, when I first met you going to shows and things and um, your experience of like seeing music, seeing live music, or even listening to music on the radio or what have you is really different than what my experience of music is. And that's because music is something that you love, but it's also something that you do. So I listen to music and I'm just like, la, da, 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 da. (laughs) this is great or I don't like this and that's pretty much as complicated as my thoughts get but for you there's so many layers and that's why I love this scene because I was like oh my god this is so true like what we do for work really does permeate how we experience that thing in everyday life yeah yeah that's true and apparently uh the poorly dubbed kung fu movie that they're watching does not pass muster uh (laughs) in Buffy's estimation Right. So, yes, Buffy has a lot of critiques of the Kung Fu movie. Um, I mean, she's got a point. A flying kick starting from a complete standstill is a curiosity. (laughs) Is there something at work here beyond just like regular physics? Is this a new is this a new segment? Jenny Owen Young's uh, wrestling watch? (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. Although there is a move later, but we don't, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> uh, so the scene, the scene at Xander's basement apartment ends with, uh, you know, it, basically it's a conversation where they're trying to distract from the fight that's happening above. Um, Buffy makes a comment about Willow and, you know, Willow can't watch witch movies without whatever. And Xander says, who uses a cauldron anymore anyway? Well, and we've got an answer for you. It's <laughs> this this rave demon, this demon who just fucking broke open some glow sticks and like Hell rubbed yeah. them all over his teeth <laughs> and is like, la, la, la. come to my demon rave. <laughs> we have cauldrons and it is with his pain that he purchases the death of the Slayer, or so he thinks. Oh my I God! So I his had money back. I was so distracted by his glowing head and teeth, especially sure. his teeth. The teeth, right? It's like the opposite of fruit punch mouth. This is like uh, Slimer mouth, or what yeah, was that? Yeah. Ectoplasma, ectoplasm, ectoplasm. But but well, ectoplasm is the real, yes. in, in quotes, real substance. But ecto cooler was the Kool Aid flavor. Kool Aid flavor of uh, for like Ghostbusters or whatever. Exactly, <laughs> Ghostbusters juice. Yes. Anyway, wow, what a delightful '80s uh, tangent that was. I want to say one thing about the demon uh, toth, which is that the demon toth is played by Michael Bailey Smith, who, among other things, played. One of the Freddies in Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Nightmare on Elm Street 5 has a character named Mark who is a comic illustrator. And so there's like actually some really cool segments in that movie where he draws, uh, you know, his nightmares and the nightmares are kind of done in comic form. And so there's this Super Freddy character. And so Super Freddy is still voiced by Robert Englund, who is Freddy. Uh, But the body is, uh, you know, the actual Freddy body is Michael Bailey Smith. So I thought that was Oh, wow. Yeah, since I'm a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan and I talk about it on the show a lot, when I was looking through his resume, I was like, holy shit. Ah. Yeah. All right. We get to the credits. We come out of the credits and listen. Xander is going apartment hunting in that outfit. (laughs) Yeah. How? With all of his friends. (laughs) I mean, I know that he is young, but like... We know from later that he has the clothes 
that uh, make him look less like a clown. Right. Uh, well, they're in his closet just waiting to be worn. You make a good, this is a good point though. This is a massive point actually. You might not even have realized you were making it, but I think that um, because what I felt watching this episode is that I really did believe that the other Xander was an imposter because goofy Xander seems mostly just like regular Xander to me. Um, and, and that made me, you know, obviously there's the plot device of it all because we're supposed to believe that. But also I feel like there's a commentary there that like Xander doesn't believe in the parts of himself that are what I call stud Xander. <laughs> Just so oh, you wow. know, I will be referring to them as Goofy Xander and Stud Xander for the best. Okay, I had episode. Sloppy Xander and Confident Xander, but I like yours better. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So, so I think that Xander is going to see this apartment not believing that he could ever leave his basement and get an apartment. I feel like he is not trying because he doesn't believe in himself. So I know you were just making a comment on his outfit, which is oh no, ridiculous, but. I think that's a really good point. And I thought a lot while I was watching this episode about when I like after college, I like moved home for a few months and then moved into an apartment. But like it was inconceivable to me that I would be able to move out of my parents' house right. and get into an apartment and start paying rent. It just like seemed unfathomable. But then like a situation presented itself uh, that was like hyper ideal. And I, f I feel like every time I've like, rented uh, <laughs> a new now. place like gotten a new place like even now yeah. i'm like wow really are you sure <laughs> are you sure you want to rent it to me yeah well that's what's so powerful about the core of the episode is that we do all well maybe not all but i think most of us have this duality right like that it's very hard for the majority of humans to see their strengths as clearly as they see their weaknesses, uh, which is mm -hmm. why this actually works that like, you're like, but this is just Xander. And then who's this other guy? Cause we've believed that's the other deep piece of this is that, that I believe what you present to me. Right. So that I've been believing, right. We've all been believing that, that kind of the max of Xander is what we see, but really there's been more there. And, and so it's just to say that we should all be believing in the other half of our Toth split self as much as we can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, remember the Zeppo? I do remember the Zeppo, as a matter of like, fact. It's in there. Yeah. Yeah. We've been we've been journeying towards this deeper deeper point of Xander for a while. And it's season five is a really good Xander season, I think. I'm just gonna I say agree. it. I think that like when in the beginning when people were very upset with you and I, Jenny, it's because they had the whole thing. They had this part of Xander and we were going from the beginning um, forward. Right. But this right, is, right, right. Uh, we're seeing the depths of Xander. So yeah. anyhow, listen, I have a fucking bone to pick and it's not with Xander. It's with Riley and Buffy who in this apartment. Dude, what? what? The they just beeline for the bedroom, which for some unknown reason already has a bed frame and mattress in it yeah. and just like scoot in there to make out like you guys I don't you literally you just came from home like what are you doing I know and it also doesn't like so just in human speak what the fuck like who would do this why but also in the episode I'm also like but why like I don't really understand yeah. why it was in there an, it's like it seems like it's there for the whole like save it for the bedroom and also maybe a little bit for like Xander Wanting. Xander's like perception of yeah. their relationship but in an episode that is just like jam-packed with like slam dunk laugh out loud 
stuff that yeah. it feels like a little it's kind a little of like eh, this is not <laughs> and we've got fucking anya taking two steps into this apartment and being like i want it pay anything <laughs> pay anything yes <laughs> uh and then like the rental agent like seeing riley and being like surely this is the young man who's looking for a place to yeah. live but no it's unfortunately the guy who's like wiping his hand off on his shirt before he <laughs> shakes yours oh and yes. then anya's like scoping out how it would work for their scooby meetings and it's like giles can explain the boring things over there which is also really great uh-huh. uh and then they well two things happen one anya and xander get in this fight which is this is a really important anya episode too for many reasons but the one being that she has just been very traumatically injured in the last episode and we see her in the beginning of this episode in a sling and also just like her arm hurts. She says, my arm hurts. I'm tired. And I don't want to take a tour of beautiful things I cannot have. Right. So they're like, there's the Anya that we know that just loves money and wants nice things, but also this side of Anya that's really facing, and we'll talk about it when we get to the scene, but uh, that's really facing her mortality in ways um, right. for the first time. So this fight is kind of informed by that for, for her as well. The other thing is the the ceiling fan uh, that continues to be a, a point of, which kind of made me laugh in general, knowing that they're on a set that doesn't have a ceiling, uh, that they just keep referring to the <laughs> ceiling fan over and over again. And like, just as the actors, that that had to be kind of like, LOL. Um, yeah, but it is yeah. this interesting choice again, because they are like, oh, well, the ceiling fans are the, the selling point of this apartment. They kind of remind me of Old South. And then Buffy is like, oh, but without the unpleasant slavery association, and uh. yeah, right. It's it's a, a not an uncommon Buffyism, or I, I probably we can expand it outside of that and say like uh, '90sism to just tangentially like touch on like we know that racism exists. Bye. Like this is just like we we know that this right. is a thing. Uh, uh, see you later. Like unpleasant as a, even a word uh, in proximity uh. to slavery is a real choice, uh, and it doesn't. Again, it doesn't have like why why was this even here it seems like it's just nodding its head at like hey just so you know we do know that um slavery is a thing and what uh yeah we'd like awareness points we'd like to cash in on those but uh not in any kind of meaningful way <laughs> yeah yeah um, so i just wanted to at least point that out word okay the last thing i want to say about the scene before we move forward is the real estate agent's haircut <laughs> that's your and the real estate agent's <laughs> outfit and the real estate agent's <laughs> piercing blue eyes and surely this woman is actually gay <laughs> she has what's the b g r e a e oh my god what <laughs> big gay real estate agent energy <laughs> I guess you're right. I don't know. You know, what's funny is that I didn't really clock her as any anything. Like, I wasn't like, this person is gay or straight. She, I didn't, I felt she was I a really device. Was like, <laughs> later when she hits on Xander, that's like when the alarms really start to go off right. for me. And I'm just like, I don't know why, but this is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, right. <laughs> And it's and at that point it's it's uh, Stud Xander, so it's not like a an issue with him. Yes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it just seems. It's just like uh, I mean, listen, this real estate 
agent lady. She's got her stuff going on and I celebrate whatever she's into. And I hope that she's just having a good time and she's being <laughs> safe and stuff. Um, I just, uh, yes. Maybe she's just Moving trying on. to find a, a hot third for her, her and her lesbian lover, you know? Oh, possibly. So. Yes. Okay. okay. Moving along to the magic box. Uh, Giles is shuffling about with his box of miscellaneous curses, which he is so amused by. Giles' amusement <laughs> in the like humor of the previous magic box owner is one of my favorite tiny little plot things. <laughs> like <it's> just <laughs> so great. And so he's rooting around in this box when in blast Toth and Giles is like, perfect, I've got this box of miscellaneous curses. <laughs> and of course But unfortunately, when he goes to digging, he just grabs the rabbit foot oh. uh and then and Toth is like i heard you were having a rave uh where's the rave let me show you my teeth they're ready <laughs> yeah so giles then scoops up uh what we find out is ufta the uh, a god of fertility who's pretty hefty <laughs> pretty i don't remember what willow says but something about the fact that she's got some oomph to her uh oomph for oofta and giles <laughs> smashes toth about the head and toth is just like ah, a little know. effect yeah he's just like man you're not even who i want keep your oofta and then he sweeps out majestically yes and then we cut to the next scene where giles is so proud of himself and he's replaying his moves against toth which kills me and which yeah I can only, only say Jenny will bring us to our Giles jingle. Sure, of course. Giles, hot dad. When you were younger, you were real bad. But now you're older, you got glasses that help you watch over us. Thank you, Giles. I just want to say that I accidentally paused on a shot, uh, like a close shot of Willow as she's sitting in front of this this bookcase mm -hmm. and noticed oh. um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of books on the bookshelf and it seems as though someone who was in charge of decorating the set this day was just like, where are all the books on this entire lot? Oh my God. Uh, I just need books. It doesn't matter what they're called. So some of the books behind Willow <laughs> that you can see, uh, one is titled Ballerina. <laughs> And it looks like a big sort of like a like an airport book for housewives kind of book. An airport um, book for housewives? Like, what you know, when you when you're at the, the airport, when you're at the airport, I'm trying to think of like uh, Danielle Steele. Oh, like <laughs> like like a romance mysteries, novel? like romance novel or like a mystery novel for ladies by a lady, <laughs> you know. OK, so there's ballerina. There's something called the Bedside Playboy. Oh, my which, God. Who knows? Wow. Uh, Another airport housewife book, if you ask me. Perhaps. And then there's Health and Science. <laughs> so I just feel like... <laughs> Those were the ones with the with like the the spine print large enough that I could actually read it. Right. Um, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of other great titles in there, but but those are the only ones I could glean, and I Ugh. wanted everyone to know. Incredible. Also, for the record, you all know how we feel about the patriarchy. Oh, 
all know how we feel about the patriarchy. Uh, so obviously when we talk about airport housewife books, we are talking about the market, not the actual housewife. <laughs> Uh, yes. Just to be clear. Just strictly like uh, conference room demographics, right. pie charts. Right. You, you get it. You get it. So, um, okay. First of all, nobody cares about Giles' triumph. Uh, I believe that it's Willow who says, so you're saying it was a mythic triumph over an indifferent foe. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> These are some great Jane Espenson lines in here. Just like, you can just fucking chew on them you know they're so delicious uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh buffy thinks that toth means that giles is uh, calling riley a moron <laughs> which is also hilarious and riley uh hey let me take this one oh, uh if i may sure uh because riley says oh you mentioned buffy where do I find him and how hard can I kill him? Mm-hmm. And I say it in that voice because yeah. I hate it. Okay, it's a good. very irritating line and delivery, which I wanted to be the person because I feel like people think I'm not responsible. I'm responsible. <laughs> uh, and I can recognize when something sucks. But um, I wanted to I wanted to take care of that here so that I could also really take care of it when he's fucking sick. Captain A, number one, grade A boyfriend later. Okay. Well, okay. Well, at least we're in unison here in this moment, because yes, that line annoyed me a bunch. And you know what did not annoy me at all? Uh, What's that? It's the way that Giles pronounces frequent in this scene. He says, oh yeah, what did he say? He says like frequent. (laughs) Right? Frequent. I like rewound it like five times. I was like, what? (laughs) Frequent? Who the fuck says, listen, if you're from the fucking UK, please confirm for us that nobody says frequent. I just, I never heard it in my life. (laughs) Yeah, it's, that's, that's something. Um, And then Xander makes a great joke. I I wrote in all caps for this, actually, uh, where Giles is basically talking about how Toth smells. Uh, and he says right, something right. about olfactory. <laughs> Xander's like, oh, so we have to go to the olfactory to... Just kidding, guys. I know what it means. Just being silly <laughs> Xander. And it really got me. made me laugh. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. So they're off to the dump. The dump. Sunnydale the has Sunnydale a dump. Sunnydale dump. Yeah. And uh, guess who else is at the dump? Well, it's Spike scavenging for a lamp. We're not really sure where. I guess the lamp would be getting power from the same place in his crypt that the television's getting power yes. from. He probably has a generator. <laughs> I think he's probably just, because he's evil, he probably just found some electricity he could steal and has maybe like rigged. Like a, a really long extension cord. Yeah, a really long extension cord or just like kind of like, he has access to like, subterranean like yes stuff. So this, it's probably be pretty easy to tap into a power line i mean I, I, pretty easy in quotes <laughs> i think jenny that it's sort of uh along the lines of how we talk about the vampire demon salon uh where they get their nails done and and you know their haircuts and stuff and also we know that there's willie's bar demon bar uh, i think that there's probably oh, right. like a con ed. demonic electrician yeah sure. like a con ad for for demons you know like it's a subterranean yeah. power a hundred a hundred percent so toth uh finds them toth uh, does in, find them in the dump and i have to say for as really just goofy and stupid as the face makeup and the day glow teeth are yeah whatever they did to get to capture and there's like some slow-mo happening like when he sweeps out of the magic box and stuff mm-hmm. the the way that he sweeps around is like very compelling yes 
Yes. What they lost points for in Dayglow, they gained in. Yeah. It's sort of like the uh, precursor to the Scream. Oh, no. Scream already was around. So it's it's it reminds me of the Scream sweep, the, the Scream monster costume. You oh, know? yeah. It's yeah, very yeah, similar yeah. To that. So Toth, uh, as we all know, uses his rod. I think Buffy calls him Rod Boy later uh, yep. and blasts Xander instead of. Buffy, uh, which was his target, and we think that Xander's okay. They pick Xander up out of the garbage pile, and note, please note for a later segment that Riley, after they lift Xander from the dirt, gently brushes his backside off of all of the debris so tenderly um, before okay. they walk Xander back home. But then, bum, bum, bum. Oh, no, there's another Xander still in the trash heap <laughs> unconscious. Uh, whoops. Whoops. How did that get in there? Oh, no. Uh, we that It's then daytime in the dump, and we see this Xander wake up. And Every time I watch this scene, I feel like I can smell it. I don't know, like, what it is about yeah. the way that they shot it. I think it's his head resting on the garbage bag. It's just, like, I feel gross watching it. I'm just like, oh, man, how do you go so far in this episode without taking a shower? If I had an evil double and I woke up on garbage bags, no matter what was in peril, I would take a fucking shower first. It's too much for me that he's in these clothes now for, the like, basically the rest of the episode. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Right? Um, Fucking stud Xander immediately takes a shower. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, he had the benefit of waking up in a bed. Yeah. Um, but so Goofy Xander goes back to his place. The door is locked. He's looking in through the window and sees, oh, my God, himself wow. getting dressed into an outfit that, oh, my God, doesn't look like a f like somebody fucking got a bunch of like cr wrapping paper at a dollar <laughs> store and then like made some like you know, like paper doll clothes out of it uh, with no with no regard for uh, color schemes or yeah. matchy matchy. Yes. Um, so he is like, what the fuck? Runs to the phone booth. Love a phone booth in a in a 90s Trips, early off. Tri eats yes. it, eats it on the way there. The phone booth eats his quarter. He's like <laughs> on the line with the operator just being like, listen, lady, you don't understand. Uh, and then finally gets a call through to Buffy who picks up and says hello. But just as that's happened, Stud Xander has walked by and Goofy Xander is like, fuck, and has to follow him. Yes. Okay, um, before we go from phone booth to Buffy's room, I want to say that I saw that there's a leftover salmon poster on the outside of the phone booth. So somebody is like really digging on this well, leftover salmon band, which is a well, jam band. And Jenny, then in the next scene, there's a widespread panic poster in oh Buffy's yeah, room on is. the wall. Well, ugh, yes. I really can't picture Buffy listening to widespread panic. Neither. But okay. uh, somebody in set design is definitely into jam bands. And also... <laughs> Maybe they were inspired to include leftover salmon uh, paraphernalia in this, in this episode because it's probably what the dump smells like. Oh, but um bump. Thank you. Uh, Buffy has, listen, Buffy's got a lot of like really great quips. I know it's her thing, but when she says she's going to pack up her weapons from A to Z and then she says from Axe to the other Axe. 
It's uh, pretty great. It's classic. Pretty That's great. Classic Buffy quip right there. Just unbelievable. Uh, also, I love Dawn making puking noises while Buffy and Riley kiss. Yeah, it's amazing. And this... Uh, obviously, we're going to get a lot of Kristen little sister commentary uh, with the now existence of Dawn. But this, so the, the gagging noises is hysterical. I was never making out with a butterscotch hunk on my bed uh, to the gagging noises of my little sister. But th- what happens next where Dawn is like, I'm not in your room. I'm standing in the hallway is an actual word for word fight that my sister had got in so many times. She would stand right at the edge of my door and I was not allowed to close my door. So I would just have to deal with her stupid fucking self standing in my door. You weren't allowed to close your bedroom door. Uh, Listen, uh, listen, there were a lot of rules in my household. And one of them was I was not allowed to close my door. I don't even know why. I don't even know why I wasn't allowed to close my door, but I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I was like 12 or 13. And when these fights were happening, my sister was like six. But still, why couldn't I close my door, guys? Let's ask Rose Russo next time we talk to her. Sure, sure, sure. So anyway, Joyce is fucking over her two teenage daughters. She is fucking, has this great line about how they're finally sharing over who is the cause of her headache. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we get a little, sort of like this little scene that doesn't really affect us in this episode, which would lead me to believe that it, we will be seeing more of why we're seeing this scene with Spike uh, in later episodes, because we go to Spike's lair, and he is... Uh, I don't like this. He's... I don't like mannequins in general, and I don't like wigs and them together. <laughs> I like that you don't like it because you don't like mannequins and you don't like wigs. Like, that's your full reason. Well, <laughs> you know, he's got a lot of pent-up aggression that he takes out on demons, but, like, a lot of his uh, negative energy is directed directly at Buffy. Yeah. And he can't uh, fight her. So it kind of makes sense that he would get a little, like, Buffy punching bag. Yeah, yeah, but it is interesting. It's it's this side of Spike that, because mostly we know that he wants to kill Buffy, but mostly he's been just like funny, you know, like killing killing other demons and like getting his aggression out through there, and then like kind of helping them, but kind of not. Um, and so this is an interesting moment where it's like, wow, he went to the dump to literally assemble a Buffy mannequin. So he could, like, take out the aggression that he's not being able to take out because of his chip. Hmm. I'm sure that's all it is. Sure that's all it is. So, anyway. uh, (laughs) We go to the construction site and Goofy Xander basically gets there. And and this is great, like, a great, like, beat by beat of stud Xander deftly just, like, gliding underneath construction materials moving while Goofy Xander gets slammed in the face by the porta potty door. Goofy Xander watches stud Xander get a promotion, and he thinks that it's because of this quarter that stud Xander has. That, and we all do, if we're watching the episode. Like, right, got, I definitely, right. the first time I watched it, was like, oh, this is the wrong Xander, and he's hypnotizing people, obviously. And listen, I just need to say now, and we'll continue to note it as it occurs, but like, <clears throat> we find out later that uh, it's just like a nickel that got flattened on a railroad track and Stud Xander thought it was cool. So he's like taking it around with him and like flipping it through his fingers or whatever. But like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, we're clearly supposed to think he's hypnotizing people. And it does, like, the retcon doesn't make sense because if you were S- Stud Xander and you were sitting in your boss's like 
construction trailer, you wouldn't be fucking flashing, yes. like reflecting light directly in into his, his eyes. And also he wouldn't be, that boss would not be not reacting to it. He would be like, could you fucking stop that? I'm trying to give you a promotion. <laughs> yes. That's banana. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, so we go back to, so Stud Xander is like, I know exactly how I'm going to celebrate with Anya. Uh, I'm going to get myself this fucking apartment. So we go back to the apartment where he's like, I would like to have this apartment. And the... Real estate agent is very surprised to see him. Did not think he was going to be coming back. He makes the, uh, what is one of many Star Trek jokes in this episode. Um, he says to her, it's time to move on or buy yourself a Klingon costume. Uh, basically like sort of saying that 
people who live in their parents' basements are also Star Trek fans. An interesting line from Xander. It's sort of like his, like, you know how we, we have internalized homophobia? It's kind of like he has, like, internalized Trekkie-phobia, you know? Oh, yes. Because he's, like, he is a Star Trek fan, and he's judging Star Trek fans. So... Sure, yeah. Well, that half of him is, anyway. Oh, right. That's true. Um, <gasps> true. I also love when the real estate agent is calling him Mr. Harris and Sloppy Xander is outside and he does like this very Jim Carrey-esque, <laughs> like, Mr. Harris. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which wow. is so great. Jenny as fucking pet detective is a new thing that I'm into. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. so this fucking real estate agent. I cannot. I This is the, the most caps I have in all of my notes for this episode because okay, okay, no okay. one has ever come on to a human being so strongly. You, Horrifying. I challenge you. Madam, challenge you're embarrassing you. us all. And I am humiliated for her. She says, day or night, she says, this is my home number. She says, even for non-business stuff, she says, we can do something. And then she says, <laughs> just in case you haven't gotten that she would like to take her business skirt off for you. Remember, <laughs> I said, anytime. And I'm like, lady. Uh... Uh, yeah, and then she leaves, and we see that her belt goes from, I don't know, her neck down to, like, her knees or something. <laughs> She's wearing the the widest, tallest belt that anyone's ever seen. Oh. And Stud, Stud Xander calls up Anya. Yes. And we see Anya's beautiful apartment we for the first time. see Anya's beautiful silk nightgown yeah incredible just gorgeous so incredible so we can we can tell that her her severance package from de hoffren is pretty tight (laughs) because she's clearly living well yeah it's a gorgeous and you you sort of made mention to the fact that we might see anya's beautiful apartment well here it is and it's gorgeous uh, I actually, I thought there were a lot of places that I might bring uh, Kate Leth in to talk to us about fashion, and I didn't think it was going to be Anya's silk nightgown, but fuck it, Jenny. Let us talk to Kate Leth, because I want to know what she thinks of this silk nightgown and any other fashion that we see Please. in this episode. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Well, welcome back to Buffy Fashion Watch. We meet here in the unlikeliest of places. With two Xanders to an episode, I'm forced, finally, to talk about his fashion. Although, yes, I will point out that nothing we see in these 44 minutes of TV compares to Anya's pink, lace-trimmed, silk pajama set with her matching hair scarf. I had forgotten about it until Kristen texted me, and it was like fondly remembering a lost love. Anya is so perfect. But... I can't put off talking about Xander forever. Fashion is actually an incredibly important element of the replacement. So much of how we differentiate between weak Xander and strong Xander is in their clothing and presentation. Weak Xander wears his typical short-sleeved Guy Fieri shirt open over a long sleeve or a Henley with ill-fitting pants and sneakers. Then we have Strong Xander, his opposite, supposedly smooth and seductive, who wears a collared shirt and a blazer with ill-fitting pants. Here's the thing. 
I know it's hard for guys and non-binary folks and mask-presenting people to shop, let alone find a distinctive style. Lots of elements make it harder, uh, body image, gender issues, income, level of ability, and I'm super sympathetic to that. I am plus size, and so I do a lot of my shopping online because stores don't cater to me. But that can be tricky, especially if you don't know your sizes or what looks or feels right on your body. But there are some simple and fairly universal rules or guidelines that you can think about if you're looking to spiff up your wardrobe. And this goes for you too, strong Xander. Now, a button-up and khakis can be a great, simple, professional outfit, but I'd say 90% of what makes men's fashion work is fit. Not that you need to be fit, that the clothes need to fit you. Strong Xander's khakis might fit at the waist, but they're baggy through the hips and the legs. It was the style in the 90s, but still not so great. A lot of people lean toward this because looser clothing makes them feel more comfortable. And hey, if that works for you, you do you. But figuring out what flatters your body can go a long way to making you feel more confident. Now, that can mean whatever you want it to mean. It can be a tapered leg, which is more forgiving than skinny jeans, or just a really nice pair of straight leg jeans. And nice doesn't have to mean expensive, but if you are going to shell out for fashion, I always recommend putting your money in the things you wear most and that take the most wear and tear, like shoes, jacket, pants. When it does come to shirts, I always recommend starting with something simple, like instead of wearing graphic tees all the time, invest in some decent plain shirts. It doesn't mean they have to be boring, they can be patterned, they can be neutral, whatever makes you feel good. That little step can really elevate your wardrobe more than people expect. When it comes to nicer shirts, button-ups look good on basically everyone, but you have to get the right one. And they have their own problems. Xander's wearing a style, like his pants, that was big in the 90s, which is very baggy through the torso and arms. And a lot of people nowadays feel like they have to buy, quote-unquote, fitted shirts to be stylish. But unless you're on the thinner side, you're just going to end up sad in the changing room, especially if you're binding, because they're built for small frames. Regular or wide cuts might actually be what you need. If you're not sure, Take all of them into the changing room, bring a friend you trust, and keep the receipts. I could keep going on quite literally forever about this, but you have more episode to listen to. If you are interested in more fashion tips, send the buffering high priestesses a message. I'm sure it will find its way to me. Until then, I'll see you at the mall. Or on the internet, because, oh sorry, we don't carry extended sizes, but you can shop online. Ugh. Whatever. That was our friend Kate She gave you the Buffy fashion update Oh, Kate, thank you again for yet another <laughs> stunning installment of Buffy Fashion Watch How delightful I, I'm pretty sure that the next time we hear from Kate It's going to be in episode 5 Which, um, you know, if you know the series Some stuff happens in that episode So uh, I'm going to be excited to hear from her in that one Okay, so Sloppy Xander jumps confident Xander. Wow, just changing confident their Xander. names. It's Goofy and Stud. Goofy and Stud. Stud and Goofy. Goofy Xander jumps Stud Xander, and Stud Xander throws him off immediately and runs. Yes. We get some really nice Santa Barbara B-roll. It's raining. <laughs> and it's raining, which is novel, you know? When do we get rain in California? Not often. Uh... uh I think places other than Los Angeles get it a fair amount more. You, oh, in Santa Barbara, they get more rain in Santa Barbara I than Los Santa Angeles? I think Santa Barbara does get more rain than L.A. Interesting. I'm sure we'll get some uh, emails to let us I'm know. I'm sure. Or some voicemails. Love the voicemails that are coming in, everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so 
yes. Basically, Stud Xander gets to Giles's house and Goofy Xander is outside the window, reminiscent of that time that uh, Spike was peering at Thanksgiving through the window of Giles. Oh, yep. You know? Yep, yep, yep. Goofy Xander is like, oh, no. And he sees Stud Xander saying, like, there's another Xander out there and you've got to kill him. So Goofy Xander runs, of course, to Willow's. Where he's like, I yeah. know how to convince you that it's still me. And this is cute for two. Both stories are cute. There, there's three, I think. But one of them, I guess, wasn't cute enough to make my notes. <laughs> the first one <laughs> is this: them as seven-year-olds. So fucking Xander's like, I, I wanted this fire truck and I didn't get it. And then there was a fire and I saw the fire trucks come. And I thought you called the fire trucks for me because I didn't get my fire truck. That's so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> really cute that is very sweet and then the other thing is that he's like and i do the snoopy dance every christmas for you and we've actually heard of this before because in the episode jenny passion uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh we learned that xander does the snoopy dance for willow um on hell christmas. yes and yeah. he does a great nick brendan does an incredible yeah. job with the snoopy dance he does here it looks so good it is very very good uh, and then he's just kind of like uh, explaining the whole once like Willow's like, why wouldn't I think you're you? He kind of like lets her in on what's been going on and he's got a double and somebody stole my face and he's hypnotizing people with his shiny, shiny quarter. Mm-hmm. There's a back and forth basically between them where we see like one convincing the Scoobies over at Giles and one, you know, convincing Willow. Uh, and I would just, I would love to, if if I could have your permission, Jenny, to play a little sound clip here, because I love the line that we get from Xander over at Willow's house when they're talking about what it possibly could be. It's a robot. It's an evil robot constructed from evil parts that look like me designed to do evil. Mm-hmm. Or it's tough. Or it's tough. Yeah, it seems like everybody figures out that it's tough. Uh, in one way or another, at the same time. Yes, yes, it's Toth. And then the scene with Willow and Goofy Xander gets pretty, like, deep, dark, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right, because you see him getting really angry. He's like, you know, Willow is talking about, like, maybe there's a spell, and he's just like, right, whatever. You know, I never help. Buffy saves me. Willow tries to help, doesn't do a great job. (laughs) She's like, that's not true. Sometimes we all help to save you, Xander. Sure, 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 sure. But, yeah, then he's just like, I'm just another great humiliation um, everyone's treating him like a grown-up, this other Xander. He's smarter than me. Maybe I should just let him have my life. Um, and that that's like, especially because we started this episode off seeing Xander's violent home life. Him yeah. saying, I'm just another great humiliation is really sad and like really gives us insight into what's been going on inside of Xander for a long time. Yeah, yeah, this really sucks until Xander remembers that he has a reason for being uh, which is joie de vie if you will oh my god he loves Anya and he wants to uh, 
be alive and with Anya and everything is cool. Willow says, like, you're telling me you just thought of Anya now. And I actually take issue with that analysis. Um, I I, this actually reminded me of a moment I had in my life um, where I was at San Francisco Pride and there was a shooting. Um, It was, you know, it was just a person shooting another person. It was not like a mass shooting, but there was a gun that went off very, very close to where I was. It was really terrifying and it was at Pride. So there were so many people and everyone sort of like ran and scattered. Um, And I was in a booth working um, with Everyone is Gay, my organization that I had at the time. And I sort of dropped to the floor and I always imagined myself in a moment of panic and a moment where like things were at risk, calling the people that I loved or like trying to get a message out to the people that I loved. And I remember just like after it was all over, realizing I hadn't called anyone. I hadn't even thought of anyone. Jenny, you and I were together at the time and I was like, didn't think. I literally was just like, survive, 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 stay alive by any cost. And so, you know, not to make this too serious, but I do want to say that like, I don't think that you, no matter how much you love somebody, I don't think that you think of them when you feel your life is at stake. Uh, So I don't think it's an indication of the fact that Xander does or doesn't love Anya enough um, that he, it took him a while to get there. I take more issue with the fact that when Xander says, he can't have Anya, I need her. When Willow says, really? Yeah. How dare you? You've got two eyes, Willow. (laughs) (laughs) Anya rocks. True. Uh, then we get this just very brief but delightful reference to Doppelgangland, where Xander on his way out is like, you try having an evil twin and see how you handle it. And he leaves and Willow's like, I think I handled it just fine. <laughs> yeah, I just like stood really still while she licked my neck, etc. <laughs> Maybe you should try it, Xander. I realized I was gay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's see what happens next. So Goofy Xander goes to Anya's place looking for her and in finding the place empty decides to dig around for something else that he knows she has somewhere mm-hmm. in her home. Yeah, which I mean, we might as well just say what the fuck it is since we know now. It's, it's a, a gun. Gun. We never yeah. like, you know, if you know us here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer, we do not like when guns enter the universe of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It feels wrong. Um, we do not enjoy. So I don't, I mean, I'm like down with the fact that Anya has a gun in her house. Like uh, that is a, an interesting character development point, but I don't like that it's used in the episode. I don't like, I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, same. So uh, the apartment picnic commences and this is where we get what I already referenced. You know, Anya's just like, <laughs> she says, I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) I could have as few as 50 years left. (laughs) Um, And, you know, they have this exchange and she's kind of like, what's next? I want a boat or a child, a puppy. I don't know. I have a list somewhere, she says. And something that I love about their exchange here is that, first of all, this is the side of Xander that can really be present with Anya. And like, really, he's really helping her. He's like really attuned to what's going on. And he helps her see what she's facing, which is really nice. And they have this exchange where Anya is sort of like, but I'm going to get like old and wrinkly and 
you can't promise me that you'll still be here. And instead of, cause like, I remember watching this for the first time for the podcast and I was, I expected Xander to be like, I can promise you, you know, like I do promise you. And he doesn't, he says like, you know, I can't promise you that you're right, but it doesn't sound terrible. And that's something. Mm. And I just thought mm. like, right. What a beautiful, beautiful way of expressing love and commitment and, it just was so nice. Like it was, it was not full of anything like hallmarky or grandiose. It was just like, no, like we're here right now. And this is how I feel right now. And I think that that's powerful. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just the kind of thing you want to hear right before your boyfriend's sloppy twin bursts in <laughs> through the door and is like, baha. <laughs> yes. Um, so right. In comes goofy Xander where the G now stands for gun. And uh, he kind of goes in and he before we see that he has a gun, he's like, um, Anya, don't believe him. He's he's not the real me. And what's very interesting is that Anya in this first moment goes to stud Xander, like believes, which I thought was also an interesting not to like, keep bringing it to the deep stuff. But I was just like really looking at this episode, like, what does it say that Anya, the person who loves Xander the most, actually believes more in the confidence of Xander, like Xander's strongest points <laughs> is where she, like her gut gravitates toward first. I was just 100%. like, hundred percent, right? That's pretty fucking yeah, cool. It's so nice. Yeah. So Willow gets into Giles's house because Giles swears he keeps locking the door, but never does. And, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, listen, you had the wrong Xander. I had the right Xander. I know it's him. Cause he did the Snoopy dance. And they're like, okay. Uh, while they're like, hashing it out and trying to like come up with different possibilities of what might be going on giles is oh dear lording in the background but everyone's ignoring him i said oh dear lord you always say that and then he, to his point he says but it's always important which is true yeah. why isn't everyone just listening to him he's the grown-up so um this is where they learn and we learn that Toth actually splits people into two beings where both are still that person. One is the weaker qualities and one is the stronger qualities. He wanted to split Buffy in half because if he killed the weaker Buffy, the stronger Buffy would die too. Well, you know what's there. interesting? Yeah. We never find out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We never find out anything else about Toth or if Toth hired someone or why Toth wanted the Slayer dead. <laughs> True. He's just a plot device for Xander and Anya uh, to grow. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm here for it. He also glows. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The teeth. It's the whole thing. Right. So then. We so get right. Right after we learn that if one of the twins dies, the other also dies. We go back to the new apartment and Sloppy Xander pulls a gun. And Anya, being a fucking badass, just like runs over and points the gun up. And I'm I'm the whole time in the scene and in the scenes to follow. Like, hey guys, you just moved in. You're going to get kicked out of this apartment building. This is too much noise. I don't know. Right? <laughs> too much noise, too much carpet damage. Yeah. And so then we get uh, this scene. I'm sorry to say so many things uh, remind me of you, Jenny, but this is... <laughs> This scene, well, Riley and um, Buffy are driving, and this reminded me of you driving. Riley driving, I think, is akin to Jenny driving, uh, because they're like they're in a rush, right? And Buffy's like, "You're not going fast enough." And Riley, instead of being like, "I'm going 90," is like, "I'm pushing 70." <laughs> 
Safety first. You can't save Xander from himself if you get in a car wreck because you weren't driving safely. True. I just thought it was really hysterical that him going 68 miles an hour is him like rushing to, to save the day. He's a good boy, as is evidenced in the lines that follow. Yes, tell us, Jenny, because this is what you well, were wanting to get to. Buffy is like convinced herself that surely Riley wishes that that she had gotten split in two with the the toth rod, uh, so <laughs> that he could be with. Which how would this even work if she had like if two halves of her were existing separately? But like basically, she's just like you wish you could have a normal girlfriend, right? And Riley is like, if you led a perfectly normal life, you wouldn't be who you are. I got to have that. I got to have it all. I'm talking toes, elbows, the whole bad ice skating movie obsession, everything. There's no part of you I'm not in love with. Ah! Yeah. No, this is And then Buffy's like, God, I hope we get there in time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, No, I, I will give Riley, listen. We don't, no spoilers here, but I'm just going to say that, like, I will have more to say about this because I do think that this is really nice. I do think that Riley loves Buffy for who she is. I I think this is really genuine. I think that he does want the Slayer part of her and the non-Slayer part of her. Uh, He probably loves, what is the name of the, I I can't think of the name of the movie that I immediately thought of, but it's the one where she always says, toe pick. Toe pick. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's gonna yeah. Drive. Everybody's going to be screaming in their cars listening to this part of the podcast <laughs> telling me what the name of the movie is. So I'm just going to let you keep screaming. I'm not even going to look it up. Um, but I, I'm here with you as well. I think this is very nice. I think that Ra- this is I wish Riley was driving faster, but I'm glad that he um, is telling Buffy directly that he loves her for who she is, because it is something that she really does need to hear because it's rough to be her. So great. A point for Riley. If Xander kills himself, he's dead, <laughs> says oh, Buffy. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, just another little Jane Spenson, you know? Um, then we go back to the apartment. The gunfight is underway, and Buffy, you know, steps in and is like, everybody fucking stop. And this is a great shift because now that, like, everyone knows what the deal is, she sort of treats both Xanders like they're her little brothers. Right, right. You know? She takes it the look, gun. You think she's like breaking breaking the fight up in like a like a really hefty way when she like throws one of them across the room, but then she just throws the other one who was also right there into the same spot across the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stud Xander has a great gun emptying moment where even Buffy is like, oh, <laughs> excuse me. Well, yeah, because remember when he was when he got turned into a soldier yeah. for Halloween? Yeah. Halloween. It's supposed so- <laughs> to be a scary night, but it only was the uh, other night, Halloween. Uh, ma'am, this Sorry. is an Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they're both Xander and, you know, Goofy Xander's like, he he can't be me. He's all fancy. And Buffy's like, I'll prove it to you. What number am I thinking of? And both of these dummies are like 11 and a half. Yeah, what a couple of dum-dums. I love it. <laughs> it's great. It's really great. Um, and then what's really sweet, too, is Buffy's trying to explain to them the way that the characteristics are divided, but she doesn't want to hurt Goofy, Goofy Xander's feelings. <laughs> so she's like, you know, it's like uh, sense of sense direction. Of direction. <laughs> Um, and then in bus Toth, really fucking up the door. Thank God Xander's in construction. He'll be able to fix this. But um, 
Toth uh, blows in. This is where Buffy calls him Rod Boy. Buffy. Ugh. He shoots a hole in the carpet Oof. that Buffy is doing a somersault like next to. Yeah. It's peculiar. It is. And, it reminds uh, me of the Kung Fu movie we saw a little earlier. <laughs> right. And one of the Xanders is like, hey, I just made a small cleaning deposit. Yeah. <laughs> then she sort of like scalpel to Riley, except for uh, demands her sword. Riley gives her the sword and they kill Toth on the floor of the apartment. A mess. A mess for the first day of living in this apartment. Yeah. Just a mess. Oh, also, there's like a WWE move that happens in this fight sequence um, <laughs> that I don't know the name of, but basically it's just, and it's like not just WWE, but it's like a wrestling move um, where he Toth picks up Buffy kind of like um, like a sack of flour, like his kind of like he's holding her horizontal, like parallel to the floor mm-hmm. and his like arms are kind of like wrapped around through like her legs on one side and her shoulders on the other mm-hmm. and then he kind of like whaps her back down on the ground I believe wow. just I just when I see them I want to call them out even if I don't know everything about I, them. I Sorry, hope that I you do everything. this is what I'm saying I at the beginning of the episode I said I think it might be the dawn of a new segment uh well re- wrestling with Jenny I'll make you a jingle it'll go oh my god wrestling with Jenny oomph <clears throat> That's that's just, that's the noise of the wrestler like hitting. Yeah, no, no, no. I got that. I got that. Okay, Very <laughs> like kind of. Uh, it really takes you there. Th- thank you. Uh, uh-huh. I'm a natural talent. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's often been said by you. <laughs> so we go to the magic box, and in this scene, I said to myself, "Where's Tara? Yeah, where is Tara? Right? Uh, so wi- a, wi- a sleepaway witch camp. Oh my god. Yes, canon." Tara is at Sleepaway Witch Camp. Okay, cool. Um, so Riley uh, makes this comment. So both Xanders are at the magic box, and Willow's going to put them back together, um, which is a very easy spell to do, as she explains, because all she has to do is break the spell that's already holding them separate from each other. Uh, Riley makes a comment about wanting to lock them in separate rooms and do experiments on them to the record scratch of everyone else. <laughs> He's like, oh, rough subject. Okay, moving on. Right. Um, but hey, that doesn't hang in the air very long because uh, <laughs> we're, we're on to talking about uh, the Xanders being identical and they know for sure because they checked out some stuff in the car on the way over. Goofy Xander is like, uh, fingerprints. It was, it was our fingerprints. Yeah, yeah. And Anya's like, what if instead of putting them back together today, what if I take them home? We could all have sex together. And then slap them back together in the morning. Oh, my God. And fucking Giles. There's like a great. <laughs> oh, poor Giles. Oh, Giles Ugh. is like, okay, so we're going to do the spell. And we're all going to continue to pretend that Anya didn't say that thing about sex. And Willow, just picking up that great joke and make it into a home run, says, okay, candles and pretense. <laughs> like, Check. She is. It's just, I love them. I love them. I love their jokes. It uh, is good. Before we put the Zan- we should do the sexual tension awards before we put the Xanders back together in honor sure, of Anya. Sure, 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 sure. Sexual Tension Award. The Sexual Tension Award nominees for season five, episode three, The Replacement, are as follows. Real Estate Lady and Stud Xander. Nice. I mean, obviously, she worked really hard for that award. <laughs> she sure did. You know, we got to uh, at least give her the nomination. 
for that gentle brushing off of his backside. Yeah. Let's consider, consider if you will, Xander and Riley. I will. For that point of comparison in the backseat of somebody's car, let's also consider Xander and Xander. I mean... Which sounds kind of like an insurance company or something. <laughs> Xander and Xander. Xander and Xander and sons. Uh... I just want to say that I uh, lobbied for this entry because I felt, you know, we've done we've done a lot of nominating of couples. We've done a lot of nominating of throuples. And I'm not sure that we've ever nominated a single, uh, you know, like uh, just this. Are is you sure we didn't nominate Willow and Vampire Willow? Oh, true. You're right. But okay, honestly, so I think it's a good precedent to set and to stick to. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and our fourth nominee. Yes. Who you will vote for if you care about me or what is right. Yeah, same. Is two Xanders, one Anya. Obviously. I mean, I don't want to throw the vote, but, you know, come on, guys. I love love attempting to throw the vote. It never really (laughs) seems to work. But if you want to participate in our beautiful democracy, you can find the Twitter poll at BufferingCast. We run it for a week, right, Kristen? That's right. Uh, So get your vote in there. Hurry up. Scoot. Run along. Yep. Scurry over there. Okay, what a beautiful segment full of sex and tension. Great. Uh, (laughs) Right before we unite the two Xanders, we get yet another reference to Star Trek. Uh, This is a reference to uh, Jenny Season 3, Episode 14, Whom Gods Destroy. Uh, Oh. Yeah, I did a little research. It's not a big deal. Um, Goodness. Where there are two Kirks. Because one of the Kirks is real Kirk, and one of them is this other guy who pretends to be Kirk and can, like, whatever. You know, you get it. Uh, Okay. Yeah, and so I think, listen, all all the Star Trek fans are going to be after me now because I've literally never seen an episode. I'm probably going to fuck this up. But basically, one of the Kirks is like, kill us both. And that's how Spock knows who the real Kirk is, and he kills the other Kirk. Um, The end. So Interesting. I don't know. I just found it fun. I was like, look at me researching Klingons and Star Trek. It's all happening to no, me, guys. No, no, no. I, I love that for you. I, I love that Jenny, for you. I learned, that Klingon is... That Klingon is its own language, which I, like, kind of knew. Oh, yep. But I, like, didn't really know. And that this dude who's, like, a linguist, his name's Mark Okrand. He is the one who made the language. Oh. Just, like, crazy shit over here. Um, yeah. Anyway... Giles is in response to this line is like he's clearly a bad influence on himself (laughs) (laughs) and then they unite they unite the Xanders Anya liked it the other way of course she did of course she did Uh, she was Uh, like this is a solution I don't have to put any more of our Craigslist ads up for threesomes I have a permanent threesome right here (laughs) (laughs) okay so scooting to Everybody helping Xander move out of the basement. Yay, we're so excited. Mm-hmm. He brings over a box to Anya and she's like, presents for me. And he's like, uh, not unless you want my Babylon 5 commemorative plates, <laughs> which you, you cannot have. have. <laughs> 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 uh, I love that. But he gets Anya to like help, which is like not, um, yeah. you know, not her first nature, <laughs> I guess. She's I'm sorry. I don't mean to like quote the whole episode back to you all, but she says, Buffy has super strength. Why don't we load her up like one of those little horses? 
which really got me. It really got me, Jenny. Yeah, well, I mean, it is pra- practical theory, a practical idea. Okay, so the last thing that happens in this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. It's just Xander and Riley, just two guys in a basement talking mm-hmm. about girls. You mm-hmm. know how it is. Yeah. And Xander's like, oh, God, how is it possible that, like, I always feel like such a fucking, like, dork yeah. around Anya? Um, and Riley's like, no, dude, what you guys have is, like, real. And she's, like, totally into, like, all of you. And it's, like, so dope. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And then Riley's like. When I'm with her, it's like, it's like I'm splitting two. Half of me is just on fire, going crazy if I'm not touching her. The other half is so still and peaceful, just perfectly content. Just knows this is the one. But she doesn't love me. But she doesn't love me! You know, y'all know how I feel about Riley, but this is um, gutting and beautiful. I love what he says about how he, like, how he feels when he is falling in love, like, as a person in love. It's that, like, fire and stillness in equal measure. Just really, really beautiful and really devastating that he says this. And I've seen this episode a few times now, but I remember watching it for the first time and being stunned. Like, I... It's not oh, something yeah. that, like, I don't think many or most of us or any of us saw coming because it just seemed like if anyone was struggling, maybe it was Riley. Uh, I I would have never, ever, ever, ever thought that he was feeling like Buffy didn't love him. Um, so, yeah, it's a real way to end an episode. Um, also, and- like, just zooming out for one second, it's mm-hmm. like, I know you're dudes, but, like, you're going to have that conversation with, like, one of Buffy's two best friends. Yeah. Well, it seems like, I mean, I know he's like probably feeling like a bit of an island now. And um, Xander is the closest thing to the same as Riley in mm-hmm. the gang mm-hmm. at this point. But it is still just like, whoa. Yeah. But I, I it reads to me. I'm, I mean, it reads to me because I do think that like Riley, right. Like what you said, Riley is an island. He really doesn't have anybody. What is he going to do? Call up Graham? Like he, he doesn't have anybody to talk to. And also I think that in moments where you're really going through something, uh, reaching out to someone who you trust, who's also close to that other person can sometimes be really comforting. And I think that he knows that Xander is really pretty loyal at this point. You know, I mean, Xander has not historically been the best person to uh, hold information about Buffy's significant others. But um, no. (laughs) Yeah. But at this point, I think that he has a correct read on Xander, that Xander will like sort of listen to him and help him in any way that he can. So, yeah, it's nice. It's also nice to have two dudes talking to each other about their feelings. Eh? Yeah, isn't there like a test? Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, well, we, that's this we episode. Did, what a beautiful place to end this episode. Um, well, I think this was a fun episode. This is a good one. Two Xanders, no waiting. I like I like episodes where we get to see uh, more of Xander, like more than just you know his sort of like forward facing. Yeah. Uh, the way that he's like performing Xander, yes. essentially. Yes. And I think that this will inform the way that we view Xander for the balance of the series. So, mm-hmm. 
We will take it. We will take it. And when we begin our second podcast, uh, once more with feeling um, where we watch the series all over again <laughs> uh, with spoilers, JK, um, or am I? <laughs> We'll see. Uh, we'll, you know, use this to inform because I'm. I actually am. I was thinking, Jenny, about watching the series again because, as you all know, at this point, this is only my second time through the series. Though, what a deep and intense second time through it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never had the like. I was thinking about like, oh my god, this is. Sometimes I forget that this was a series that you would just like watch all the time, over and over again. Like it was so important oh, to yeah. you. Um, well before this podcast and I've never had that experience I watched it one time and I loved it but I realized in watching today I was like oh my god I can go back and watch this again I could go I can do it again and again and again so I'm becoming one of you all uh, (laughs) uh, through this work and I'm just uh, yeah I'm excited to watch it through the lens of like really understanding the characters much deeper now yeah that concludes my monologue please (laughs) (laughs) Please tell the lovely people where they can find you, Jenny. Well, I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not making this podcast, I'm out there writing and recording songs, making music of all kinds. Um, You can learn more about me and the music stuff that I make at JennyOwenYoungs.com. And you can find three new songs that I've put out in the last three months on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get jams. Uh, Those songs are called Vampire Weeknight living room and dreaming on the bus uh, chronologically uh mm. you can also give me a shout on twitter at jenny owen youngs and i'll tell you what else you can hear me talk about a different show about a tiny blonde protagonist girl uh who's in high school at the moment on my other podcast veronica mars investigations yes I was just lost in thought thinking about the chronology of those songs, like Vampire Weeknight, the vampire goes and breaks into your living room and sure. turns you into a vampire and you get on the bus and then you're dreaming on the bus as a vampire. So Sure, sure, okay. sure. Do vampires dream of undead sheep? <laughs> I'm Kristen Russo and <laughs> you can find... You know, more about me, because when I'm not talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I am doing work with LGBTQ communities uh, and the communities that support LGBTQ communities. Um, You can learn about the most recent project that I just completed, uh, an e-care package for parents and loved ones um, of trans and non-binary youth over on mykidisgay.com. I'm really proud of all the work that went into it by an incredible team of people. There's a freaking playlist that Laura Jane Grace made for us like there's a lot of things but I'm just kind of excited about the fact that Laura Jane Grace collaborated with us on that project um especially and if you want to hear more of me in your ears I am also doing another podcast now with the incredible Joanna Robinson we are going through each and every one of the 19 delicious episodes of my so-called life uh the podcast is called The Boiler Room and we are over halfway nope we're almost halfway through at this point so come on over and join us we're having a great time we do a segment called the best use of flannel and i think it's pretty great (laughs) hell yeah buffering the vampire slayer is on twitter facebook and instagram at buffering cast or you can always send us an email at buffering the vampire slayer at gmail.com or you can call us at 216-30-BUFFY and leave us a message. Hell yeah.
Uh, Incredible. You can can support our work. So many of you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can go on over to bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Click on Patreon to join our Patreon family. We have a secret Facebook group. We do Buffy watches. We have chord sheets from Jenny so you can learn the music. Uh, We have ad-free episodes. We have... So much fun shit over there, even exclusive. We got it all. We got it all. So you can support us over there. You can support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can also go to our store and buy some new shit. Namely, Slag a it up. brand new fucking t-shirt designed by the one and only Devin Power that is a re- uh-huh. It's a reimagining of the Just Keep Fighting shirt, a lyric from the end of season one, Prophecy Girl, which has a lot of meaning to us uh, all, I think. Um, and it is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous drawing. It's sort of like woodcut inspired, a slayer walking away with a stake in her hand. It's really beautiful. We're very thankful to Devin for it. And you can find that on the website. Just click on store. Hell. Yeah. Until next time. Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. Show off. I know that I love you. I just don't know how. I've got a lot of things to figure out Xander took a hit that could have had me split Could have been me Could have been happy If I could split myself in two Half of me could do Slayer stuff And the other half could stay right here with you But you know it's true I wouldn't change it if I could be And half of me would only be half as good Imagine our life in some normal town We're the only big bads My little sister Instead of a hell mouth Wouldn't have to fight our way home When you take me out Could have been me Could have been happy If I could split myself in two Half of me would do Buffy stuff And the other half would slay the whole night through But I know it's true You wouldn't change it if you could have And half of me would only be half On the other hand Half the Xander ain't half bad But the other half could use a bath And altogether he's the best friend you could have
Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with calm conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.